Hello, Phoebe. Hey, Gemma. <laughs> We're back. Happy President's Day. Happy President's Day to you. Um, how was your Valentine's Day? My Valentine's Day was, it was really nice. Um, Chris, Chris got brunch for us, Ooh. which was delish. And then we both went our separate ways and worked all day. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> I made a steak for dinner. <laughs> Ooh, yummy. <laughs> yeah, it was good. What was, how was yours? Did you do anything? Did you do anything? Um, we went on Friday, we went, um, to like, went to have like a drink late dinner at this place called Kensho, which was like very LA. Um, it, it's like right near Yamashiro in Hollywood. Cool. Um, so that was fun. And the waitress hit on Sam. Oh my God. It was super fun for me. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's just kind of flattering. So that was fun. And then yesterday we went to Malibu to go for a hike. And so I've talked to a few friends in LA about this and I wonder if you can resonate at all. We've decided that going to the beach is like maybe one of the most stressful things you can do in LA <laughs> because you have to drive for like an hour and a half. And then you get on the PCH, which is like, a two-lane death trap that you're like <laughs> stuck on like everyone's going 90 miles an hour you can't you can't u-turn it's impossible and so anyway there's a hike that I like to do that's like easy peasy to get to I mean you have to like drive straight up to Panga Canyon which like always makes me car sick anyway you know the glamour is really not there but then you go to Tuna Canyon you do the hike and it's nice and then afterwards we were like we're starving and we we're like we have to go get some food and I've Every time I go to Malibu, I'm like, I want to try Malibu seafood, but there's always a crazy line. And so I was like, it's just like a little shack. It's like a fish shack, but it's like, everyone loves it. No, that's where my parents used to go for their dates. What? Oh my God. I always forget the name. It's, it has that. It's like that. It's like the most famous. Malibu seafood? Because I have, no, no, no. Hold on. Famous. Hold on, it's like, oh, I'm talking about a different place. But sorry to interrupt you. Hold, oh, okay. hold on. It's like Neptune's Net. Neptune's oh, Net. Oh yes, yes, that's famous. That one. I've never been there, but I always want to go to Malibu Seafood. And yesterday, like I thought you could just call. Like I just can't retain the information that like I live in a huge city and like everyone's pretending COVID doesn't exist. So like every place is packed. So I was like, we went, we like drove by and it's like, you know, driving by Malibu is hard. You have to drive like 30 minutes down the road. Yeah. So we go on a whim, we drive down. We're both getting very hangry. And it's like a line wrapping around the building. Like who's waiting in that line? So we don't go there. And we like pull off to this place. It's right off the side of the road. And we're like, you know, it's probably fine. We get there, we like, they're like, oh, you order up front and then you wait for a table. So we order up front, we wait for a table. Somebody steals a table before us. We're like, excuse me, we were we were in line. We were told we were next. And they were like, oh, that guy told us just to take the table. And we were like, okay, first red flag. But then we wait and wait because we're hungry and we don't want to get back on the PCH because it's too scary. And we're waiting and waiting. And then um, we finally got sat down. And then it takes us like 
like the, our food doesn't come for like another 40 minutes. So at this point we've been waiting there for like an hour and we're like, wait a minute, what's happening? So we go in and we're like, where's our food? And they're like, oh, it's coming five minutes. And Sam's like, I'm going to need a refund if we can't get our food in 10 minutes. And, he they're, would be the type of person to and say they're like, they're like, okay, yeah, sure. It's five minutes. It doesn't come out for 15 minutes. I go in and I'm like, excuse me, where's our food? We've been waiting. Like, you know, like this is, I know you're busy, but like, come on guys. And they like, he like looks in the computer. He's like, oh no, I don't have your order. And I'm like, well, no. you ordered and paid. And like, and so then it was this whole thing. And then I was like, no, I want, I was like, I want this meal comped. Like you made us wait for this long. Like, no, we're not going to, we're going to leave. And he was like, no, he was like so aggressive. He was like, no, 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 no. And he's like, I think you need to like have another margarita, sweetie, like calm down. And I was like, I'm not, not calm. I'm angry that you don't have our order. And then Sam and I were like both so mad, but we like both couldn't get them to give us a refund. And then we left and Sam was so mad. Um, but you know, we, we recovered and we had a nice night. <laughs> That's a wild story. It was really annoying, dude. It was like, it was kind of, it was almost like disturbing. Like you were like, oh, wow, that does not happen that often, you know? That's horrifying. Yeah. Whenever I used to, it was crazy. I like to answer your original question. I have like the worst luck on beaches because whenever I be like, Chris, let's go on like a romantic, like Malibu day. It would be like a hundred degrees in Claremont. We got to the beach. And it was like, it was like 72. And we were just <laughs> sitting on the beach. <laughs> like, why didn't we drive two hours to get here? And you know that I forget what highway it is, but there's this part going west when you're just going straight west to Malibu where there's like a like a three lane highway or whatever, but one of the lanes is like secretly high occupancy vehicles. So we've uh, always got a ticket there. Oh, I don't think I've ever come from Pomona. Yeah. Dude, yeah, the beach the beach can literally ruin people. It, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, and it's just crazy. Like I used to go to like Huntington Beach. Yeah. Which is like, it's kind of like the Coney Island of yeah. LA. I'm gonna start trying different beaches besides Malibu, like Laguna Beach and stuff like that. Yeah. Go south, like Redondo Beach. I love Redondo. I got yeah. stung by a jellyfish at Redondo once. Yeah, I like Redondo too, it's a little trashier. <laughs> Really? Because we used to always go, because remember like um, the group sex? No. I may have just been like non-college friends with the parents, but one of my mom's great friends was this guy and they lived in Redondo Beach with two kids, one mm -hmm. our age who like goes to Stanford and like works for like Snapchat now. <laughs> but they lived in like, like they lived the artist's life, like David Lynch. They were literally living in this like a little like like beach bungalow that was like two bedrooms and tiny and cute and I kind of aspire just walk to the beach yeah he I was like such a California dude he they like had a uh, had a van mm -hmm. and he got the van like checked out because you know every couple of years you got to get your car checked out so he got it checked out and then immediately after he cut off the top of the van so it could be a convertible <laughs> That's that's a really making your destiny your own. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's just I love Redondo Beach. No, yeah, Redondo. Yeah, I think I think I got to migrate beaches. I can't I can't deal with Malibu anymore. 
you ever go to the nature resort? Because I, the only way I could ever do Malibu is when you go to that like nature reserve beach and you like, you need to pay $5. Which I don't, I don't know if I've been there, like Point Doom or something. I forget what it's called, but it's like, you need to like walk under a tunnel to get there. Oh, that sounds fun. But speaking of Malibu. <laughs> and the OC. Um, so we today are addressing the very exciting part one Salt Lake City reunion. Mm. Yeah. Is that right? Um, what were your thoughts about it? Well, first of all, it was the second type of COVID reunion because we had the Beverly Hills COVID reunion and it was over Zoom. Yes. I feel like now people have figured out that like, I don't want to say COVID's a hoax because it's not, but they figured out that it's like, it's not as crazy as we thought it was at the beginning. And like we've ha- we've reached like herd immunity or shit like that. And people are like chilling out. So I know having them six feet apart was really funny. But like they probably were like everyone was like tested and like it's probably fine and like yeah. they're so insular. They yeah. probably already have the vaccine. I think that all like rich people got the vaccine. Right. Well, also, um, it was funny having them six feet apart because they had to do that split screen to show them next to each other. Yeah. Instead of like usually having them like face to face yelling at each other. I was loving since it was all their first time reunions, like how their faces were and like their awkwardness with Andy at the beginning. Like, you know, when he does like backstage and like Beverly Hills in New York are like, oh, Andy, my old friend. And they were all like, hi, Andy. And like, I thought Meredith had like the meanest mug on. She looked so bummed to be there. (laughs) And Whitney had that disgusting dress. And big, big old knockers. I know it reminds me of in the season six reunion for New York and Andy's like, hello, Kristen. And she's like, hey, Andy, my boobs are bigger because my husband bought them for me for our anniversary. And he's like, okay. Kristen, piece of work. Um, But then I also thought that it was just, I just wanted to shout out the, to remind everybody that Heather said that she got a DM from Rihanna. I wonder if it was like the actual Rihanna or if she was being I'm sure it was the actual Rihanna. You think Heather's that cool? Yeah, I think she lives her truth. I guess so. I just like wonder what part Rihanna saw that she, you know, weren't she thinking that like what part of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City did Rihanna see? All of it, like a normal person. You think Rihanna's like a normal person who- Celebrities are just like us. Yes, I do. That says um, so much about Rihanna. Like Fenty just like folded and she's like messaging Heather. Well, she's a big, um, she uses Erica Jane in all her savage Fenty campaigns. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what did the, okay. I think that Lisa is going to be the villain of next season. You, okay, you were so right. Like I'll respond to that, but you were so right about Lisa's relationship with Meredith. Like yeah. I thought Lisa was in charge, but it turns out that you were right because Meredith was withholding and she, like Lisa was horrible during that reunion. 
but she could come back with a vengeance for sure. Well, but, but she was, but Lisa was like fighting everybody somehow in the reunion, mm. which I didn't really get how that was happening. Like she was like, just like going at everybody and her and Heather are clearly not friends. Um, and I thought, yeah, that Lisa was pretty annoying. And I really hated when she started crying about her kids, like give it a rest, you know? Like housewives are always trying to humanize themselves by saying that they love their children so much because they're all compensating because they don't take care of their kids like a nanny does. And they're like, and they're always, but they're also like obsessed with their children because they're narcissists and their children are just little images of themselves. So they're like, like she was like, I love my kids. And it's like bursting into tears, just trying to look sympathetic. It was really annoying. Oldest trick. Oh, sorry, what? Just think it's the oldest trick in the book. Yeah. She also did that thing that some housewives do, and then you kind of know that they're for shit is when, or like, you know, they're lying, is when um, Lisa was crying and she was like, like, you guys don't know that my kids are my weakness. Like ask any of my real friends, yeah. they'll tell you. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like when people are like, I don't want to, I'm like withholding my information. And Andy's like, you're on a reality show. You need, you're contractually obligated. Yeah. tell me this and then Lisa's like well you guys I am like my real friends know it's always just so stupid to like pretend that you didn't sign up for this yeah no it's the worst well that's what I, I was really annoyed with Mary because Mary kept acting like she like didn't know what was happening and like what <laughs> was and I was like you've been on she drives me insane I was like you know she's she kept being like what the show there's a show I, di- I didn't know I didn't, I wasn't aware. <laughs> and she's mispronouncing things once again, like just one after the other, wrong word, wrong word, wrong word. Her brain is scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> she's one of those, um, I think that she's going to be on for like two seasons and then like never again. This is like a viva. It's like, you can only, that type of crazy is only funny for like yeah. Like it gets outlived. You're like, Viva, you're just, you're insane. You're I mean, insane. Out of your mind. Um, <laughs> your dad. I love that. Um, I loved the realization that Meredith smokes a cig once in a while. Very chic. She's so cool. She's chic. She's like Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> yeah. Because you have to smoke a cigarette in between your face, your chemical peels, and your juicings. You gotta keep things interesting. But also, like, what was that whole weird thing that Jen has a videotape of her smoking? I didn't understand that. Maybe it was, like, an Instagram thing or, like, blackmail. It was unclear if it was... Wait. But Jen was like, I don't have a video. Meredith was like, you do have a video. I think she obviously did have a video. She's just a liar. Yeah. I was going to say... It's what you texted me earlier that I I had already known about. Scott Disick. Yes, our good friend Scott Disick. Robin, once again. Deleted his, wait, what what about Kelly Benson? Oh, I didn't say, I just just said he's robbing the cradle once again. Oh, yeah, but then he, speaking of deleting videos from your phone, he deleted his Valentine's Day post with Amelia Gray. Anyway, we should go back. 
She also deleted hers. Um, I also thought that it was funny um, that Jen exposed herself to Meredith's children. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine if like one of your mom's friends came over? Well, I felt like it was really like a, um, I felt like it was a real like calculated shaming of Jen for like being crazy and like being a wild woman because like, I think her kids probably overreacted. Like, I think she just was like throwing her legs up in the air and like, they like, you don't actually see a vagina when that happens. You know, you see like a weird little like part of fabric and like body part and you're like, oh, okay. But like, I thought it was so weird that Meredith was like, you exposed yourself to my children. <laughs> She's a pedophile and cracking me up. Also, Meredith is cool, but she's also so annoying. Like the fact that she was like uncomfortable. She said uncomfortable that the birthday party was on Lisa's actual birthday, but it was a joint birthday party. I was like, you're showing your ass as a huge diva. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. I just thought that was like really annoying of her. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my God. And, and then Wendy okay, said that she wanted to have a three-way with Meredith. Yes. Kind of unsurprising. That was the moment that we shared together. But it's like, uh, yeah, Whitney, no one wants to have a three-way with your gross husband. Um, it's weird. None of that, as I said last week, like none of them, none of them are attractive at all. No. And then um, I was liking the back and forth between Heather and Lisa, where Heather was like, you traumatized me. And Lisa was like, no, you traumatized me. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's kind of, you know, they're like traumatizing as the crime that has been committed. Yeah, but it was also just like funny because I feel like the word trauma has been like the the like the American word. Yeah. For like the past like year or two. Yeah. So I feel like it's 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 got into Utah and it's got into the Mormons and now they're like, I have trauma and my trauma is you traumatizing me. I know. Well Heather loves her trauma. She that's her whole bag. Like the self-care shit. It's like my self-care is having my trauma, saying my trauma, doing my trauma, healing my trauma. Yeah. It's like AOC releasing her capital video of her trauma. Well, trauma is just such a hot word. I didn't yeah. see that video. I watched a little bit of it, but it was a, uh, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people I know were like really dismayed by it. Yeah, it felt it felt kind of like dark to me. Anyway, trauma is a hot word. Yes, it is. Um, I also thought that like it's the first time that they're having like they're having all this public perception, and they're like really concerned. Like they're always saying like tell the world. I'm like the world is not watching you. You know, like I, you know, like and it's like but like they've never been perceived this publicly, and it's like clearly like what like like Heather was like, my hair was bad. And like, Mary was like, my hair was bad. It's like, they're, it's like, we're watching them start to see themselves, you know, in this light, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. 
they're witnessing <laughs> they're witnessing yeah. themselves and also like who's down and who's not you know because we're gonna see that shake up because i don't know if meredith is down you know in a way i think I she'll think stay on it but what i think she'll stay on it well don't they have like two season contracts i don't know because they're always on for two seasons except if they're like really bad like cindy and joyce and carlton yeah you're probably right they probably do wait so tell me about um tell me about new york because i love where i love i want to talk about aviva and all those people well season four of new york was like the funniest season what happens in that season uh, oh my god, I forget. But I th- but oh oh, it's the beginning. It's the first season where Aviva, Heather, and Kristen are. It's like when when all the new people um, show up. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was just so hilarious. And then see, I'm on season seven right now, mm-hmm. and Bethany's returned. Yes. The B is and, back. Right. Bethany's returned, and she's like lost herself. Yeah. Those like when she cries and you her under eye makeup rubs off and you can see that she doesn't sleep and she's bruised. It is it's very sad and very upsetting. It takes it's, on a tone. It's right after her. It's like during her divorce stuff, right? And that's really dark. And I was thinking that like, oh my god, now I'm saying thinking like it, they do in Utah. I was thinking <laughs> anyway, like losing my. I don't know how to speak anymore. <laughs> I was, I was thinking, thinking, it's, it's a hard word. I was, sorry, I was thinking about season seven, the season that I'm watching, and like the only social interactions that Bethany has is with her therapist. Like that's when her crazy social, except when she's fighting, but she has like the most social relationship with the therapist. Mm-hmm, for sure. I love the idea of them filming therapy. What kind of therapist do you have to have to let them film your session? Oh my God, I know. They hack therapists. They just want money. They're just like, yeah. They're crazy for money. Well, yeah, that season is really dark for Bethany. And let's talk about Aviva and George, please. Well, it's another Oedipal relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Aviva, I mean, Aviva is psycho. So psycho. She's just like throwing her leg and they're all laughing. And it's just like, it's so, she's like so psychotic, it's hilarious. The leg is probably, I mean, it's historic. I mean, it's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. She's actually kind of a star of New York. She's a great character. (laughs) She leaves me speechless. She's just, she's unhinged. I know. She's crazy. She's got like, um, well, she has real trauma, but she's obsessed with talking about her leg. They're all like, shut up about the leg. No, but I love her, all her other fears and paranoias. Oh my God. The fact that she can't get on a plane without her husband. It's so funny though, because she's just like, you know that uh, that movie Blue Jasmine? 
Yeah. I mean, Sonia really reminds me of that woman who's just like so mentally ill, but like because they're really rich, people are just like, no one really gives a fuck and you can just end up talking to yourself on a bench and like no one thinks you're crazy really because you're rich right. and white and blonde and beautiful. But Aviva's also just like, she's, I mean, she, she is like serious mental illness. Yeah, like major OCD. I also think she was molested by her father. Oh, that's, and like her mom was an alcoholic. Like, holy Classic, shit. Like mom's out of it, dad's abusing the daughter. And then that's, we also, we learned that about Ramona. Well, she we wasn't sexually abused. Sonia. Ramona wasn't sexually abused. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, but I think Sonia was. Yes, I think she definitely was. Uh, her whole behavior really points to that. Yeah. I mean, it's really sad, but also, ha- I mean, it's sad what happens to Bethany, but Sonia is also so sad because I you know. just see her start to like deteriorate. And like when she's, when she's like, I have a homeless girl in Ireland who runs my Twitter. And you're like, what are you talking? Like, what are you talking about? That's psycho shit. She has like a couple seasons where she talks complete nonsense and she, she kind of gets it back together. But I've yeah. always liked Sonia, I think, because she's such a tragic figure. And she's so beautiful. She's the most beautiful. So beautiful. But she doesn't photograph very well. She looks like Barbara Streisand. Oh, that is true. Got a great face. Very classic beauty. She also has really tasteful plastic surgery, I must say. She has like mm. great plastic surgery. Bethany has horrible plastic surgery. With those cheeks, I mean, everything about her is like is like cloud-like. It's so overdone. Remember the, but it's so tight. She like can't move. I Do know. You remember the season when she's pregnant and her face looks insane. Yeah. Her jaws like bloated. It's like what? <laughs> no, she. I mean, she is so, because she also has like an eating disorder. Mad eating disorder. So and she's so muscular. I don't think she's that muscular. I think she just doesn't eat. I guess she probably works out. She's probably an exercise anorexic too. Yeah, no, she, and she doesn't, she's just so wild. I feel so bad for that daughter. Oh my God. And apparently, I told you, apparently the daughter is to 234, which is where I went to public elementary school. Well, I also, yeah. And so what do you think of, what do you think of Kristen and her mean ass husband? Kristen is super cringy yeah she's so annoying she's really annoying her husband is so mean with his fedoras like why did you marry but she's bfs with brandy that's my favorite thing about her i know it's so funny wait so what do you think about carol okay i think i think carol is like the best style for sure she's very stylish so stylish oh my god he's actually cool like genuinely cool she's like a kennedy she's like the inspiration for like all of all saints yeah you know, oh, i didn't like, know that no she, i no. that's just like because don't you feel oh, like all, that's not like a fact but like don't you feel like all saints just like is what carol wears but a, like a season after yeah but that's because she wears all saints not because all saints watches carol 
but I feel like it would be so great if all Saints watched Carol. <laughs> anyway, I think she's really cool. I think she's ridiculous and she seems like a horrible person to be friends with because she's always the friend. Like, do you ever notice how like Emily Ratajkowski or whatever? I don't know how to say this nicely. Her friends are not like all models. Like Emily Ratajkowski is obviously the most beautiful and the most successful and like the hottest and the one with the best boyfriend of all of her friends. And Carol seems like that too, where Carol like needs to be like, oh yeah, and the best and like the skinniest and the like won't yeah. tell like if you try and address and it looks bad, she'll be like, it looks so cute just because she wants to look better next to you. That is spot on. Is she dating Adam? She's dating Adam, right? When you're Yeah, which is like the name of my first boyfriend. So I already so think he's a tool. What? So cute. Ugh. You don't like him? Oh, I think he is like repulsive. Oh my God, come on. He's such a hunk. He's so hot. No, no, he's yes. not. What is hot about him? Um, his hair, his face, he's cute. He's got kind of a soft-spoken vibe. I think he has the most annoying voice ever. He speaks like he's from like like a really rich Christian part of Long Island and like plays with Probably. He's not right, no. And he, he has like a horrible voice. He's so dumb. Yeah, he's an idiot. I mean, I don't like him as a person and I think his like stupid sexy chef stuff is stupid. Do you think Carol's smart? I think her book was ghostwritten. <laughs> Dude, do you think Aviva's smart? I think Aviva's well-educated. She is well-educated, though. You're a devasser. <laughs> devasser. I think Aviva's actually kind of smart. That's my that's my hot take about Aviva. Really? What's smart? She's just psychotic. But that doesn't mean you can't be smart. <sighs> I guess not. Because I think her what her and Carol are doing is they're vying for who's the intellectual of the group in their big fight. Yeah. Because Carol thinks she's better than everybody and she thinks she's way smarter than everybody else. Right. Really, like never really had a career because as soon as she met her husband, she like, you know. Became a Kennedy. Yeah, and stayed on at ABC because he was like running the network. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's true. Um, no, I mean, Carol's cool. I, I, I mean, it just freaks me out. Oh, yeah. Her weird little cucked husband. He's weird. Yeah. He's like, okay, honey, I'll just work on my finances on my laptop. <laughs> it's like, Ma, I don't know. It's like, um, what's her name? Dorinda's boyfriend, who's like obviously mob related. It's like there's some mob shit going on. John? Mm-hmm. He's just a dry cleaning kingpin. <laughs> who's Armenian and lives in New Jersey. I know, I know. What do you think about Dorinda? She's one of my, I've gone through th full arcs with Dorinda. I was gonna say, I can't tell if I like her yet. Yeah. She's like she's kind of stick up her ass, but like in like one of those weird mature ways, like that's not fun. She really goes through a journey. Does she break up with John? No, they're still together. He's disgusting. Yeah, he's gross. Also, there's an episode that you'll see that like makes it pretty clear that like John does a lot of coke. 
Oh, really? They try to address it on the reunion. Like, no one will say anything because it, like, ruins lives. But, like, I think Dorinda and John, like, party hard. Like, I think they do a lot of drugs. Wow. Like, he comes into this fight with Bethany and she's like, you want to do a few more lines? It's crazy. It's really, like, whoa. That's crazy. Um... But they they talk a lot. You you have a note that they talk so much in New York City. Like they're just talking, talking, talking. Oh, I meant I meant in the reunion. Oh yeah. Like they're like when Andy was like, "You you women are beasts." Yeah. Crazy. Well, you have also, I want to talk about this. This is from last week's now. They all want to live forever. The ruling class is anti-suicide, AKA Aviva's gas mask, addiction to health, eternal youth of Botox surgery. In later seasons, new characters become more self-referential to the fact that they're on a show. Oh yeah, we talked about that a little bit. I mean, the eternal youth thing I've always been interested in. I always think about that with the Kardashians, like going to the doctor every episode. Yeah. I'm like, I always think about that cryo freeze thing as a metaphor for like freezing your body to save. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, they're just preparing for when they're, they're preparing. frozen. Yeah. Um, I forget when, what season or like what episode, like I remember, I forget what inspired me to write that, but it's not even the plastic surgery because I feel like that's such a cliche that like be yeah. young forever. But it was, it was something about like how they're all very scared of death. Mm -hmm. They have so many anxieties about like dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. I actually forget. I forget what, I forget what made me write that, but it was, it was something. I mean, the Kardashians have a great episode in that in the latest season where, um, Courtney, right. Where Kim, oh, right. Where Kim is like, I want like a shit ton of candy at this birthday party. And Courtney's like, no. Oh, yes. Bad for you. She's like, candy's bad for you because it makes you look older and I don't want to look old. And Kim's like, well, I like candy because eating it makes me feel like a kid. Right. So I, I, go ahead. No, no, that was it. That was it. What's one thing I can't stand about the Kardashians is like the excess of like cookies and candy. I think it's completely deranged and disgusting. It it gives me panic attacks because they have so much food that they don't eat. And even in their like Instagram stories, like Kylie was like, look at all these pizzas I have. Like I have like four or five different pizzas from me and my daughter. And it's like, you're gonna throw all of that away. That's insane. It really bums me out. But like, I, I hate the idea of like organizing your food and like wanting it to look good in like little containers and like Kim, like wanting a shit ton of candy. Like, oh God, it like literally strikes fear into my heart. But it's like food just becomes an aesthetic. Cause no one, that's the thing is like, even on the Real Housewives, they like have these lunches. It's like, no one's gonna eat that. I know. And even Carol turns her office into a, turns her kitchen into an office. She like, she literally is like, I don't eat. She's like, I don't cook. Isn't that cool? I'm a girl boss. And it's like, no, you're not Carrie from Sex in the City. Okay. You might want to be, but you're not. Yeah. Linda is, has a character based off of her in Sex in the City. 
Dorinda, really? She, yeah. you know, she looks like she looks like the wife from uh, The Sopranos. Yeah, she does. She's very. And John kind of looks like. Tony I Sopranos. mean, I think Tony Soprano's kind of hot, and John's not, and Tony Soprano's like really fucking cool. Yeah, you and every other e girl on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an e girl. <laughs> I like. I don't. I don't know how to use Twitter. No, I'm just teasing oh I I think oh so for the food idea I do kind of think that like Khloe Kardashian's cereal is like a encasing it's like a tomb <laughs> it's like a, the Tupperware is a tomb yes and that's the eternal youth thing too they're literally making like Masonic tombs because you like you know the whole like American ethos, like America is founded on Mason. You can like there's signs everywhere, every like um, on the East Coast, like in the original colonies or whatever. Every graveyard, like the founders are Masons, and like all the Masonry symbolism is from like ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. But like you know what I mean? I mean not ancient Greece, ancient Egypt. So it's like the Pharaoh tombs, like the Kardashians or Masons. I have that in my notes. I say, and I think like the housewives closets or like the Kardashians closets or like Kendall Jenner's closet in Architectural Digest. When she's like, I love, you know, cleaning out my closet. Like, and it's like the closets are like the tombs that they're like surrounded by their earthly possessions. Like they're going to, like they're going to die in their closet and everything's going to surround them. And it also is like their, their life is equal to their possessions like they can only measure their life based on their possessions and all the Kardashians are obsessed with organizing their closets and I think that's like a real pathology in a way like I think they first of all they have too much they have so much stuff and they can replace anything they want at any time so it's just I think sometimes like I think they buy stuff to have stuff to get rid like they have to go through their things to like reaffirm who they are and like make sure that they're like alive well that's also a really good segue into the you know own it as like a housewives tagline yes lisa renna famous lisa renna own it and it kind of i mean other people say it too that's like a thing just like it's on new york too like own it just own it yeah it's like a command to to have something to your ownership right Right. And for some reason right now, I'm thinking of it as like reverse ownership. Because it's like what you're saying, like, like these people, they buy things just to get rid of them. But there's, you know, that's like a, I think that like, it's like a weird type of like futures market. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like going on in like the feminized space of the closet or whatever. Yeah. because they're like they're betting on something in the future to get rid of they're buying something because they've already decided they're going to get rid of it mm-hmm. but I think it's like totally reversed in like the verbal um like iteration of that because if you're saying to someone own it you're saying like you're pretending as if you gave it away like you've already given like it's already not yours and they're saying buy it back yeah it's like a stock market diss <laughs> yeah well, cause, cause also, I mean, you pointed out a good thing in, in our conversation um, over text about um, like holding accountable and like, there's all this language around this, like all those things are supposed to be good. 
like holding somebody accountable is supposed to be like a virtuous, important thing that society needs. And like owning something is supposed to be like a kind of self, I mean, it's kind of therapy, it's like kind of in therapy language too, a little bit, like, like to own, like you need to own it. Like you need to own your shit and live in you before you can judge others or before you can be in love. Or like, you know, you have to have your stuff figured out, which is I think the implication behind Rinna saying own it is she's saying, you think that we all know you think that so just own up to thinking that and i think she has a good intention with it but i think it's become just like something that she just like screams at people and i also think she's really misguided in it because she's like own it about like kim ha having alcoholism and it's like she's an alcoholic she can't own it that's the whole problem <laughs> you know like it just feels like but yeah, the, the ownership question is, it is like, what are they trying to, well, what happens if they own it? They Are they given power? Like what happens when you own something? Right. And what happens when you're like forced to own something? Cause that's what it is. It's like, it's like forcing someone to own it. But I think that that's like a good, like, I also wonder that that's like a really good question to think about because it's like, right what's the aftermath of owning it like where do you go from there because I feel like the whole play like the whole like structure of play in the reunions you know what I mean yeah is to be like it's like a game it's like own it no own it because no one ever owns it and if they no. do they do so with such like spite and like vitriol that right. they're not actually like owning it and that there's like a stifled like okay whatever it's fine so it's like a game because no one's ever gonna own it but but right but it's like if like if they did what would happen would it be solved would there be like solvency does that mean you're innocent does that mean you don't like well it's interesting because I think that Lisa Rinna asking people to own it is a power play on her part like she's saying you I see that you're not owning something and I'm telling you to own it but I think that in a larger conversation, the idea of owning something and like living in your truth, I'm going to equate those for the moment, gives you power is the, is the idea. Like if you own something, you can live in your full truth and like deal with it um, and then access the world better because you've, you own something. Like you know what you own and you know who you are. So I think like, yeah, I think maybe it's like knowing, but I think that if they, if you do it because somebody tells you to own it, you're giving them power. So that's why they don't want to do it. Yeah. Cause it is about the truth. Mm -hmm. And I, it's like, I feel like a lot of own it. Well, it's two things. It's like, I feel like the own it is also like tell the truth. Like it's a synonym for that. It's a synonym to be honest. Yes. But then Lisa Rinna, especially, and other people also are like, well, I own it. Why are you above owning something? Which is, again, like a, a weird class thing because it's, it's like, so class. you think you're richer than rich? You think you're too good to own things? Like, what, like what's being, like, even, like, socioeconomically, like, what's above owning things? Is it, like, asceticism? Is it, like, monk life? Is it, like, that weird oh my god what the fuck is that like uh that like highly stylized netflix food tv like the round table chef's table, chef's table. <laughs> I don't know chef's table tbh 
Well, yeah, it can be cool, but but you know that episode with the monk? Yes. <laughs> it's like that. It's like they're like like what's above it is this highly aestheticized, aestheticized living where it's like that New York Times guy is like, oh my God, it was like the best meal I ever ate to this one. I don't know. It, there's a relation there. It's well, yeah, do you that, something or do you not? Am no, I making no sense? No, I get it. I actually was going to go on another far out. Let's see if we can link this in. Do it, do it. I actually think as a society, we are moving past ownership being the highest form of like class wealth because no one can afford to really own anything. And so like everything is turning into subscription service. Like we only own these, these memberships. We're only part of these, like, like all the TV we watch is, I've been seeing these billboards for like prescription subscriptions like that so it's like hate the pharmacy like use this one I forget what it's called but it's like you like set up a prescription service to yeah. get your like I think your doctor you get your meds just deli- like everything's just delivered or like like postmates membership like everything like just just become a member and we'll take care of it like you don't have to exert any choice or ownership over anything like you just sign up and we send you something monthly you know that's really interesting because then it's also just like, yeah, like you don't get to, you don't get to own anything material. All you own is the possibility for right. seemingly infinite materials, but you also don't get to choose what those are because even like on Grubhub, like it's not every single restaurant in the neighborhood. No, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, that's like the, that's the evil part about all that stuff. It's like who, you know, you don't get a choice of things you're actually getting like our already are already like stifled choice that we have under capitalism is like worse because like these subscription services that are run by big money are choosing what you can or what you can get and they're therefore choosing who who gets to participate in the economy and who gets to live and who gets to you know what kind of food gets to be popular like there's no like no one's going out and like choosing it and being like I really wanted to you know it's like it's truly, truly sad. <laughs> it's also very like Corona. Like I think, like I was reading this like totally unhinged, off the walls, insane, um, like like blog article that like when we were in middle school it would have been on like Buzzfeed or Jezebel or something. I forget what it was on. Maybe it was like Medium or something. But it was like my girlfriend and I got COVID, and this is our story. And they started telling their COVID story. They were like, for 11 months, we have not left the house. We have not seen one friend. We have not gone to the grocery store. We have not gone to... And I was like, what the fuck? She was like, we have double masks since day one. We don't take public transportation. And, And then they like got coronavirus, but it was like this insane thing. They're like totally isolating themselves. And the, the only things are like the people who deliver their shit. Right. It's like the gig workers who are like <laughs> delivering you food. And they're like, thank you. Clapping for them at 7 p.m. every night. Like, fuck off. But isn't that, but you're right, because it's all subscription and it's all choice. And you, I mean, you get to pick which subscription you have. But subscription, but I think the subscription thing is going to be like, I mean, it's obviously has already been magnified by COVID, but like even movies, like HBO Max. 
is now like the movie theater. Like they've signed a contract with Warner Brothers to stream all their movies. So like you got to pick the right streaming service so that you can like see the movies. You know, it's like you can't just go to a movie theater. You have to now subscribe to HBO to get any movie. Yeah. I watch but, Real Housewives on Hulu. Yeah, I'm a horrible person. But Hulu is like honestly terrible except for having reality TV on it. Um, it's yeah. like the only thing it has. They have no other interesting things on there. Um, well, yeah, so so the ownership is also connected to this kind of idea of like accountability. Right. Yeah. And also we were talking, you were reading that book, Gentrification of the Mind. And I cut that out from our last episode because it didn't make any sense what we were talking about. But like, but I think that we are kind of touching on this. We're kind of coming back to this thing of like gentrification is obviously about ownership and you know who who gets to own it, who gets who has to leave, and like ownership means location and you know, but like this idea of like accountability and that also seems connected. Like ownership and accountability is like kind of the same side of the coin. That is so fascinating because I hadn't made that connection. I hadn't made the connection that gentrification and accountability are both about ownership. Can I read you this passage from the book? And we can like figure out where to put this. Yeah. I, okay, so can I just like, we can cut this out too, but I just want to like explain. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, I think you should explain. So gentrification of the mind is by Sarah Schulman, who is a lesbian Jewish woman who teaches at College of Staten Island, tenure professor with my dad. <laughs> they like teach together. Um, and um, she was queer in New York City in the Lower East Side during the AIDS epidemic. And she was one of the founders of ACT UP. Oh, cool. Um, and she's also like, she was like the founder of the ACT UP oral history project. So she, she wrote this, and she wrote this book, I always get like, whatever, it doesn't matter. She wrote this book um, that was talking about the AIDS crisis and how like the government didn't care. Like it was a fucking plague. Everyone was dropping dead and it was only the poor artists, you know, and like queer people in New York. And what she kind of does like in the first chapter is you're like, you're like, oh, gentrification. Because we all, I think that like, especially people in our age and like where we're living, like I think, I feel like a lot of our lives, like gentrification has been like a huge word and we can see it and we're doing it. You know, whether we like it or not, we're doing it Mm -hmm. Um, as like an act. But she's talking about like, she's like, yeah, like gentrification is about when neighborhoods become more mainstream is kind of her argument. Yeah. And like push out the communities of color, push out poor people, push out anyone who's not contributing to like the 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 normalized economy. But what she does, which I was with in the beginning, but then towards the end gets kind of like crazy because she stretches it. And it's sorry, sorry, I'll like I'll like hurry it up. But gentrification of the mind is like it like has to do with like the gatekeepers like the like cultural gatekeepers like it has to do with like all of our thoughts becoming heteronormative yes (laughs) you know what I mean but so so there are like two problems with the book but only get into one of them 
it's so so her so she writes this whole book and you're like yes 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 and then at the end she's like okay so what's the solution because all these like so sociological books have to have like a solution or like hope at the end um and like and like uh university like like uh berkeley published this book anyway um so at the end she's like well like where do we go forward and she's like we need to hold people accountable like that's the solution we need to hold the straight people who are in charge of mainstream publishing, we need to hold them accountable. And she, let me just read this passage because it says this all better than me. She goes, in preparing this book, I reread Emma Goldman's My Further Disillusionment in Russia. It is incredibly relevant. She very humanely reveals how she arrived in Russia as a political deportee from the United States committed to the ideals of the very recent revolution with great self-criticism and a really clear communication for process. She, show, she shows how she learned to identify Soviet supremacy ideology and what happened when she tried to make its perpetrators accountable. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no one's made accountable, even in this story. And like, like accountability is like the goal of these quote unquote, like radical revolutions. And I don't think that it works. And I don't think that the idea of like belonging in the mainstream is actually, you know what I mean? Because it like presupposes like a mainstream. Yes. Yeah. So like the accountability, so just like to try to tie it all back, like the accountability part was like, it's the same question, Real Housewives. It's like, what? What is wanted from accountability? Right. Well, I think as a culture, we are reckoning with that constantly. I think Me Too is about accountability. And like, you know, that's had a lot of different effects on like culture and, and society. Mm -hmm. And like, I think, I think holding people accountable is the language of this kind of like woke left kind of thing in a, in a lot of ways like I think like I think of a lot of like you know kind of SJW types that I went to bard with that are always like tweeting about accountability and it's like shut up you know there's something really like there's there does feel like there's something that they're just like not achieving with it or it's like a word that's like you know being used but but yeah right like so I don't know I just think that accountability has a lot to do with like this moment we're living in and like Trump's impeachment, you know, like everyone's trying to impeach Trump because they're like, he needs to be held accountable. Sure. But like, that's much less compelling to me than like Trump needs to be impeached because he, we don't want him to ever run again. Right. Like that's actually a concrete thing, but that was not the way that they led with the impeachment. The weather, the thing that they led was like, he must be held accountable. And like, you know, I think that there's people say that like, People want people to be accountable for their language. And I don't think language is always a way, I don't think you can always be like, you know, like I think people were, were obsessed with like language being correct and like infallible, like that like language is language. Like, you know, like you can say something and it means something, but we're also at the same time, like with like cancel culture, like we're relying on language failing people because like, you know, you dig into something, somebody said something out of context and then you get to then use your language to like take them down. But like, you know, like this idea of like Trump's tweets, like inciting violence, you know, like, I don't, you know, did he call them to war? Did he say go march on the, you know, like, it's like, it's just this kind of obsession with like giving all this power to 
to words, but also we have reached a point in society where like kind of words don't really mean anything. Like they're all feel symbolic. Yeah, because the owning it is also a symbolic thing. It's also like material wealth is symbolic and money is symbolic. Right. And even like, it's even like the language of holding someone accountable. It's like, you're, you're holding it. It's becoming like an object, like accountability is actually becoming an object yes. that you have. You know what I mean? Which is crazy because, you know, because as you're saying, I mean, I feel like, right. It's like language is not concrete. And that's always the issue is that language isn't concrete enough. And a lot of people, including, I think I'm the first person, I feel like I'm a, I can never get across what I'm trying to say. That's why we need so many words. Right. So like the idea of like something like the whole court case being structured around like creating a type of like weird architecture of it that you can own that you can like own after the fact of it being out there not that you know and i'm not saying it's not this isn't like a judgment on like i'm not even talking about trump you know what i mean no but you're right i think that it like like whatever you're right you're like the, the case shouldn't be about is trump gonna own it with bravo <laughs> as like the judge like that's not what it's about and to make it about that is so stupid because then it's like he's acquitted so what does that mean he's not held accountable like there's been a failure in holding someone accountable like like what does that like what does it mean that he wasn't found accountable right well I think it's the symbology of I mean I think that's why I mean I think the reunions are interestingly like they feel a lot like like there was a meme circulating after the first debate where like Trump was like you know being a raging psychopath and um you know there was a there was a meme circulating with the debate whoever the moderator was I forgot his name but like they were like they're like he's like Andy Cohen on one of those reunions like I was like yes I was like yes I love this crossover because there does seem to be some sort of like there there's an echoing happening again and again for me with like watching the Real Housewives and like looking at the political climate and like because they're all using they're all just talking and the words mean very little to them right like the words are not empty the way that they use them it doesn't really mean anything you know it's it, it's a tagline it's a way to further the narrative it's not really meaningful and so then there's then but then there's action that is taken like the insurrection or whatever that was not a word that was I'm, but then everyone's talking about like what the word is supposed to be <laughs> like for what happened but anyway I don't want to like go too off in a tangent but I do think that yeah the accountability thing is interesting because I guess it achieves it achieves some it's like for the it's for the accusing party it doesn't really like all the power lies in the person holding the other person accountable and all the power lies in punishing the other person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you punish another person, you don't have to be accountable for your actions. Yeah. No, it's right. But that's the thing. It's like, what is the goal of it? Don't you ever get the feeling it's like, like when Real Housewives starts in season one, you're like, who are these people? And then it just seems like because the seasons evolve and people come and people go, 
But somehow there's always like an origin from the first season because like the world of the show started during that first season. But it's like, what was that? Like, you don't even know what's happening before that time. I don't. So it's like it's there's like a void of accountability. Well, I think what we're kind of getting at. And what maybe the kind of what maybe we're exploring in this whole kind of ongoing conversation is this kind of idea of like emptiness and void and blankness that's kind of pervasive throughout our culture (laughs) and is made very clear by the Real Housewives who are basically voids or the show is kind of a void, you know? Cause nothing, there's a lot of stuff, but then there's nothing behind it. Like it's all this stuff. And then it's like an illusion. <laughs> yeah, but it's also so real. Cause they're also like, they're, they're like living people, you know, it's And I think that they're just like, they're, they're it. I think there's like, there's something so deep about it, which is like, we're looking at it, honey. The real, yeah. like what everything else you're seeing, that is just the tactics of like rich, royal woman because like you know you know those uh period drama queen elizabeth with uh tilda not tilda is it tilda swinon or like blanchett or whatever whatever they're they look the same to me they're they're the same person i think it's caitlin i think it's game blanchett yeah but during one of them there's this like dinner scene and all the ladies in waiting they're all at the table and they're like whispering to each other and going and it's like the same thing it's just like royal woman at the dinner table dissing each other and fighting and their ball gowns and it's just like the rules of the rich like dictate how the rest of quote-unquote polite society works yeah for sure um yeah I mean they are dictating yeah but there's something about the show that just like the the contrived like the contrived nature of the show like the Andy Cohen puppetry of the show is what makes it feel like essentially lacking of something else I don't know I feel like we're, we're not making much sense maybe not well I think we're, we're like going too far ahead I think we're getting like too big we're yeah. getting too meta we're getting too you know what I mean I feel like we're psychoanalyzing ourselves psychoanalyzing the show yes um it's too crazy but yeah I mean I think but let's think about how, who, who has anybody ever owned it on the on the show? Well, Lisa Rinna says that she owns it. I think she kind of owns it in a way. Erica Jane says that she owns it. Well, that's fucking fake because she obviously is like bamboozling everybody that her husband, she like, you know, husband's a class A criminal. Yeah, what, what, I don't, why did they divorce? What happened with that? Like, Something really fucked up and weird. Yeah, so he, okay, this is crazy. Sam's mom knows, um, like knows a friend of his because she's like, used to be a lawyer in LA. And so she knows that whole crew. She knows a really good friend of him. She knows Tom Girardi. And she was actually going to get me an autograph from Erica Jane, like in secret, which I was like, amazing. Mm-hmm. But then they can't because now everybody's in jail or whatever. But- um, He's in jail? No, no, not yet. But like uh, the crime was that he was like, so he represents like people who have been involved in like accident, like family members of people who have like died in a plane crash. And um, so, but he got all these settlements 
and I think it was like Vietnamese children killed on a plane or something really dark. He got their family all these settlements and then he convinced the families to let him invest their settlements and he just took all the money. She's been embezzling money for like years, but which is like truly fucked up and dark. And his brother is now trying to claim incompetence for him so that, so that he can like represent him in court. And like, I don't think Erica knew everything, but I bet she knew something shady was going on, but they got divorced. Essentially the idea is that they got divorced so she could protect her ass and like, not be implicated in it and also protect her savings um but like the banks have frozen like they, they the banks like this this kind of thing like they, they freeze all the money you know and so, you know that's all through sam's mom like this is all inside information no, no no this is this is public information but i did know that something was happening before everybody else did which was pretty exciting um but then but then like um but Erica is now posting on Instagram, like all these like sexy photos of her and she's posting like some judge, some, she's posting these text message exchanges that Tom had with some judge that are like an affair. And so she's trying to like, be like, look over here, look at this affair. But she like posted, it was crazy. She posted like a screenshot of like the text messages from the affair, like being like, you know, some sexy messages, kept it up for like 24 hours and then deleted it. If you look online, you can find it. But like, anyway, she, but she, she's an interesting character for owning it because she owns like that. She like likes to show her ass and was like a cocktail waitress who married a rich man. Right. Like, so she's owning some, but I think Lisa Rinna is kind of the same way. She like owns that. She's like a little cuckoo, you know, like they're not really owning anything. That, that blows my mind. Yeah. That totally fucking blows my mind. I know. And the thing is, if you think about Erica Jane, it's like, yeah, obviously somebody was embezzling money because she flew her like her glam squad to Berlin first class. She's so fucking rich, but like they, but it's always like sus when someone lives in Pasadena. Well, that's like old Republican money out there, man. I still feel like it's sus for someone to live in Pasadena, right? Right. Instead of like, instead of living in like uh no i think for like lawyers and like doctors i think that's where like the writ the elite like elite professionals live in la i love pasadena i mean i adore pasadena i think it's like my psycho bitch roommate lives there with her doctor boyfriend it's so nice turn that off (laughs) got a message you can't have the that was making soup and I haven't texted this person since January 31st. <laughs> I just got a text that said, Megan Soup. Nice. Um, okay, well, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think we got we got to some things. Me too, that felt, that felt good. I was really, I'm like really stoned, if you couldn't tell. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. I had like, I had like a whole edible like three hours ago. So shall we um, sign off for the week? Money can't buy a class. Remember the money can't buy a class, people. Don't try it. It can't. It can't do it. You can't do it. And remember to try to own it, okay? It would be really helpful for everybody else if you could just own it.
own it. I own that I'm stoned. Possess it, exactly. <laughs> I own it, I'm stoned, okay? I own, what am I owning? Oh, that's good. I own today that I, I don't know, I can't think of anything. Are you just so perfect? I didn't do anything bad today. Well, me getting stoned wasn't bad, but I'm owning it. No, it wasn't, wasn't bad. bad. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I don't know what I'm owning. I'm not, I'm owning, I don't know. I'm owning it, okay? I own it. Only you have nothing to own. I have, I own it. And then therefore I am free. <laughs> All right, peace out. <laughs>